Hello and welcome to another episode of Be Kind, Be Positive, Be Yourself. Today is episode 133 and today is a very, very special episode. The person I got to sit down and talk with mental health about needs no introduction, but here it is. It's my dad. And uh, let's just say this episode means everything to me. I felt so honored and it was a big moment for the timeline of the podcast. So I hope you really enjoy it. There's a lot in there. It's a longer episode than normal, but there's so much in there. So I hope you find a lot of value and enjoy. Yeah, buddy. What's up, buddy? How we doing? <laughs> I'm not going to lie, dude. I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, uh, I'm a little nervous too. So we're on an even uh, keel. Actually, you have the upper hand here because you are a veteran podcaster and I am a rookie guest. <laughs> And like, it's not an interview, it's a conversation, but it's like, there's a different dynamic when you're not just doing it yourself. So I get really nervous, but also just because I care about it and I just, uh, it means a lot. It's like a milestone, like to have my dad on here. It's like a crazy <laughs> concept. So basically the way that this came about was I told you and I sent you the video, but I listened to uh, this guy named Justin Baldoni. He does a podcast and I watched the videos on YouTube and he sat down with his dad and it's called the man enough podcast. So the concept is kind of unlearning how we view masculinity and society. And that's like his, the whole uh, concept of his show, but it was like a crazy interview because when you sit down with the people that you know, the most, like you think you really know the most, like mm-hmm. your family or friends. And he, there was a couple of segments that they talked about kind of like, uh, Justin's dad's growing up experience and how that impacted Justin growing up without really either him or his dad knowing, like not that much uh, knowing how it impacted Justin, right? So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think uh, masculinity is uh, specifically why I wanted to get us together to talk, but more importantly about mental health and how I was thinking, you know, this is a very uh, specific uh, relationship, right? Like a father, son. And then outside of that umbrella is like parent child. But what I try to do on each episode is like, how can I make mental health basically the most accessible for a wide audience? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it looks differently. Sometimes it's about, you know, anxiety was an episode or, you know, uh, how to be more engaged in, in relationships in your life, for example. So it's a specific episode. I realize that it's like a father son, but I know that what I'm hoping is we can talk a lot about how relationships, the relationships that you hold and how each different relationship, there's different dynamics about how mental health is valued and talked about. And that's even, even from, you know, with your partner to your parents, to your best friend, to your coworker, right? A lot mm-hmm. of the times mental health looks, and then there's community and then family, like it can be four people or 12 people. The dynamic seems to shift with how mental health is talked about. So. Once I listened to that episode of Justin and his dad, I got really inspired because for the first time in my life, which is crazy to even think out loud, I actually sat and thought about my childhood and I really reflected really hard and deeply. You know, we do this thing like we think about our childhood every once in a while, right? Or when we get together with people, we think about our childhood. But I really thought about how you and mom parented me and how it impacted me. And two big things that I think are the the central foundation of this conversation between us is one is I never once 
felt like I had, I was pressured to be someone or something, right? Mm. You, and, you and mom, I reflected back and I, I was like, is that true? Like, cause you know, like sometimes parents, even uh, without trying or just naturally, they, they might want their kid to be something, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot of the time it's about athletics or they mm-hmm. want their kid to be like a certain occupation, but I never once, and I can really say that. And, and I've told Emily and I've told other people like, wow, I never really once felt I needed to be someone or something, you know, you and mom mm-hmm. told me to, you know, to have goals and aspirations and, but that's more you instilling morals in me and, and, and skills and traits. So I was wondering, you know, with that in mind, and, and I can't, and I'll say this too, to, just to tell everyone, I can't, I have a sister named Jenna, so I can't speak specifically for her experiences, but I know that she would feel this, uh, the same or very similar in a lot of things that I would say. But for me personally, I never felt that. So was that my question to start would be, you know, is that something that you and mom had a conversation about or prioritized or how did that come about as far as me not feeling, how did I get to be 24 years old and not feel like that? Yeah, that's a good question. It's a somewhat simple question, but the answer I think is, if not complex, probably is maybe multifaceted. And it would be interesting to hear what your mom would say as well, because she has such a great memory and remembers things that may seem, you know, kind of small at the time or certain things on certain dates that I'm like, wow, how do you remember that? But I think there's probably a few things that are takeaways that I can remember and say that along the way. So was it by design? Yeah, maybe a little bit where you try to be aware of the influence that you're having on your kids, you know, and one of those things or awarenesses or influences, naturally, you're trying to be the best parent you can be. And you naturally have hopes and dreams and expectations of what you want your kids to be, even if it's not hey, I want you to be this as a profession or, you know, it's really about wanting them to be happy, wanting them to be successful, however they define success, wanting them to feel fulfilled, you know, wanting them to be able to navigate life's ups and downs and challenges and celebrations and victories and the joys and the sorrows and the whole nine yards, but also knowing that, hey, you don't have to do that on your own and you shouldn't be doing it on your own. But as, as I think back about that in terms of the journey along the way and maybe some of the things that was, was just a, a plan to, to try to not steer you in any certain direction or, hey, I, w- I want you to be masculine or I want you to be this or I want you to be that. I think the overriding things, the kind of those tenants that we held to were the things I just mentioned. But I would also say that looking back, no two ways about it. There's a few things that are really important along the way. One is we're, we're very lucky. Your mom and I are very lucky in that we truly like our strengths complement each other and our weaknesses, quote unquote, complement each other from the standpoint of, hey, her strength is probably not mine or, you know, it could be one of my weaknesses and vice versa. And so we've been very lucky in that way. And I guess the other piece is those things that where she is strong in the, maybe the emotional and communicating the emotions and really having foresight to take me out of the moment or remind me in a moment that says, Hey, I'm thinking about this particular moment, or I'm thinking about what happens the rest of the day or what's on the agenda and trying to accomplish a task list. And she's very good at kind of tapping me on the shoulder and saying, Hey, I know you, you're trying to accomplish this list, but 
look up, there's a bigger picture here. And she's been really good at that along the way and still is very good at it and reminding me of the bigger picture things and kind of the, the greater picture, the greater outcome and, and really what you're trying to accomplish and maybe the impact that you're having today, what long-term or short-term or, you know, is it going to matter in five years, et cetera? You know, like I said, it feels like a, a kind of a multifaceted answer. And I'll also say it was absolutely an evolution because like most parents, when we were new parents, we didn't have a clue what we were doing. And maybe we don't have a clue now, but we have more of a clue now than we did 24, 25 years ago. You know, no two ways about it, because like most parents, probably that when we drove home from the hospital, it was like we had no idea what we were doing. We were like, where's the instruction book for this kid, et cetera, et cetera. I just told this that same uh, phrase to a young couple this weekend when I was riding my bike and putting it in the car and they were just getting, I had ridden by them. And he said, yeah, I can't wait to, till I can get my kid on the back of a bike. And I said, well, how old is he in five weeks? And I said, holy cow. And we basically just talked about what I just said. We were, had no idea what we were doing, but along the way, like I said, I think there's been a few things that it was, it's definitely been an evolution. It's been a partnership with me and your mom and our complementing our strengths and weaknesses. And it's not like, you know, we certainly, missed the mark, I'm sure, plenty of times. But by and large, I think there was probably some purpose, especially as you got older and as your kids get older and you you grow as a parent and you mature as a person, all that stuff, you know, kind of like life's evolution to where you do get better and you maybe have an awareness that says, okay, what are the things that you want to instill in your kids? And I guess I would say one of those was probably wanting the, all those things I said earlier, but then also not wanting to have this overbearing impact from the standpoint of knowing at some point, you know, that your kids at some point are going to turn into these independent little people that make their own decisions, regardless. And sometimes in spite of how you feel, they're going to make their own decisions. And that's what you want. You know, it's not always easy to see that along the way, but that's certainly what you want. So I think it's been kind of a, a bunch of ingredients gone into it, maybe along the way. And we were far from perfect in doing it, but I, I would kind of, that would be my answer to that question. Especially like, uh, I think what you said, like at the very end too, like basically not only are human relationships complex, but then when you add uh, parent child relationships and you're doing it with a partner, right. And then you're going to get it wrong sometimes. I think that's like a huge uh, moment mm-hmm. of honesty and transparency. That's mm-hmm. very important because what I was thinking about a lot when you were talking was like, this can be applied to all your relationships, right? Friendships. So, or your coworker, you might have expectations or something you want them to be, or, you know, you might want your partner to to be something that they're not. And sometimes that may be a hard thing to, to reconcile with, but at the end of the day, you might get it wrong or, you know, but to have it, it, I know it's a little different than a parent child, but I think that it can be applied as far as, you know, support and you instill things that maybe you compliment that person well and they compliment you well but mm-hmm. at the end of the day that people are going to make their own choices that's kind of out of your hands but I, I always like when people support authenticity over kind of trying to mold people into over mold I guess into something that they want other people to be mm-hmm. so thank you for doing that and I just think it's important in all different dynamics of people's relationships and I think it rolls really nicely into the second foundation that YouTube video really helps me think about was not only am I incredibly grateful and lucky and the list of uh, other word, positive words for 
my relation my relationships with you and mom and Jenna so far in my life have been incredible. There's always been a safe space for each of us as individuals uh, to express how we're feeling with no holds bar. Like it's uh, you can express exactly how you feel to the group. Now, sometimes, you know, with the family dynamic and, and a group dynamic too, I think they're very similar. Sometimes you mess up and you don't read the other person's really uh, emotions right. And you say something or you do something that you really regret. And you have to come back to the group and either apologize and make it right and just sit with it mm-hmm. for a while, right? But I think that I reflected back a lot. And I, another thing I thought was I, there's always been a safe space for our family to express our emotions and talk about mental health. And we still do it to this day with our group chat about, you know, hey, I'm going to this job interview. I'm super nervous. Mm-hmm. That may seem like a very small thing, but that is part of mental health in my opinion, to be able mm-hmm. to express. And sometimes it's just about I'm nervous or, you know, for me before the podcast started, it was sleepless nights and uh, being able to come home every weekend because I was overwhelmed and I couldn't sleep just because of things that were happening in my own life. Not every space is that accessible for mental health and whether it's conversation, whether it's support, whether it's therapy, you know, professional help. And I know a lot of people want that. They want a safe space. And I think that social media helps a lot. You can get into different groups, right? You can feel accepted. Uh, it happens at school sometimes, but I think it's very important that people feel like they have that space. Mm-hmm. And so with me feeling like I have that space with our family, and I felt like that for my whole life, I'm wondering your perspective on that. And I'm wondering, how do you think that came about for our family? Like it, it's kind of similar to the first one as far as, was that a prior priority for you and mom? Uh, or did that just come with life experiences as well? And do you notice how does that safe space, I'm assuming you feel a little bit the same way for our family safe space. How does that support you as a, as a human, I guess, for our, how, how does that role in our safe space for you impact your view on mental health or your ability to share openly your feelings? Yeah, it's a good question. It's, I'll say this, I think your mom deserves a lot of credit in this without a doubt, because she is so uh, forward with her feelings and emotions and really wears her heart on her sleeve. And I think that sets the stage and sets the tone of, for anyone in the room who really, to the extent that you're comfortable and you want to share your feelings, that she puts the placemat, the walking mat out there right from the jump with, as you know, with anyone she meets for the most part. And that is, you know, times a million when it comes to her family, right? Because she not just does it to strangers, but she she is so good at that. And it, and it starts with not just the topic of mental health, but I think in general, when you're wanting to have meaningful conversations, Oftentimes, step one is creating a safe space to where whoever's in the conversation feels safe and sharing their sharing their feelings and being authentic and to the extent that they are comfortable sharing their feelings. And oftentimes, I don't encourage folks to even go beyond where they, where they were comfortable before the conversation started, right? But so at first, I think your mom had a really, really big influence because this was right up her alley. You know, this is really part of her DNA and part of her personality. So her kind of creating that environment to start with, I think was is huge. She deserves a lot of credit for that. And then I would say it also kind of evolves, right? As we talked about before, it's part of that evolution of parenting. But at, I don't know if it was by design, at least at first, probably so for your mom, because, you know, she thinks about these things and has a, a really good 
big picture view and a long-term view of these types of things. But certainly as it evolved and, you know, we matured and our family grew and our family evolved, it was definitely a natural approach, if you will. And I don't even know if it was an approach. It was just maybe the natural rhythm and the natural personality of our family and our family vibe and our family dynamics. I think that was definitely a natural thing. But in short, I would say that really your mom deserves a lot of credit for that. No two ways about it. And I totally support the concept. And I totally, I just support it. But I'll say this on the backside, as you and Jenna now are at an adulthood, it's been nothing but incredibly rewarding to see the results of that or experience the results of that and to see how you and Jenna share to the extent you're comfortable and do it in a way like you described and as you were leading up to this question. I think that that is super rewarding. You know, this almost one of those deals like you have to experience it almost to truly feel the sensation of how gratifying and proud that makes you feel. Do you think like uh, I said, mom is, let's say like, I think that uh, some people, whether it's born, whatever, however you want to describe it are just naturally going to be more, maybe, maybe willing is not the right word, but their personality is going to be to share their emotions uh, Mm -hmm. first. So with your partner, like with mom being a person of that nature, uh, did you find yourself, like you said, like learning from her or basically, do you think that for people out there that might be thinking, well, I'm not really, I don't have a partner or, you know, I'm not really one to really speak on my emotions. I've never practiced it. I don't have that family safe space. I never really had any, because I think a lot of it is practice. Like you have to get into Mm -hmm. conversations where you hold conversations because even with a great uh, family space, and I feel like I've had a lot of time with the podcast and even way before that in childhood talking about how I feel, my emotions, my mental health, et cetera, et cetera. There's still conversations where I get nervous. I get uncomfortable. I might not share everything, right? I'm thinking for people that are sitting there thinking, well, that's, that's cool. You know, that's nice that you have a safe space. Do you think that um, it's something that you can, you can learn and maybe there's parts of your life where you don't feel like you're sharing, you can your mental health experience and, and journey like evolve in different parts? Like, do you think it's a thing where you might not share a lot in for these couple of years? Cause you might not have a people around you, but then can it evolve or is it like very set in stone? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's an easy answer. I a hundred percent think it's like the vast majority of things in life. It's, it evolves a hundred percent. It's an evolution and it's in my view, it feels like it's um, not necessarily an evolution of like the circle to where you start at zero and you get to a hundred and complete a full circle. It feels like it's like us. We're all of us as humans, we're evolving one way or another every single day. Right. And maybe it's a, a small thing and maybe it's a step forward, but then maybe there's a half a step back a week from then to where it's hundred percent. My view of, uh, evolving feeling and a topic that is evolving for all of us. And hopefully over time, it's a case where we make progress when we measure it over time. And I think it also, you know, it's certainly impossible. And I think this is maybe even common depending on what's, and I think COVID has shown us this, if nothing else. Right. And that is, you talked about feeling, you know, how, how safe do you feel sharing your, emotions and and sharing your feelings and having conversations about that 
you know, whether that's in your family setting or just in general in your life, I, there's, to me, it's like, it falls into the evolving thing. To me, it it is something that evolves, but it also depends, I think on a lot of things. I think it goes with that maturity, you know, and who we are today is very unlikely going to be who we are going to be in five years or 10 years or one year. If I, I hope not because otherwise you're (laughs) stagnating, but with that, you know, I think maturity comes into play. Life experiences come into play. Who's in your life? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply whether that's your partner or your friends or your family, whoever that might be that's in your life, as those relationships change, all have in, in society, right? And social media and, and fill in the blank, all those influences in our lives, as those things change, they tend to have uh, impacts on this topic, on mental health in general, as well as how comfortable any one of us feels sharing our feelings and sharing our thoughts and expressing those, et cetera. But I think over time, to me, there's a couple of things that come into play. One is certainly your personality and how comfortable and person A may be hundred percent comfortable sharing their feelings. That's just their personality and who they are. And they do that with ease. And person B may be the opposite and say, you know, I, I really feel like a pretty private person. I don't share my innermost thoughts and feelings and emotions, especially when it comes to mental health very easily or quickly, at least in person. And I think it's important to say, neither one of those is better or worse than the other, or there, you know, there's no judging there. It's just like, Hey, do you have brown hair or brown eyes or do you have blue eyes or whatever? Right. It's kind of like, okay, this was to a certain degree, in my view, the hand that you were dealt from a personality perspective, but from there, what you do with that and how do you grow and become more comfortable? Or if you're someone who's already super comfortable, then you're choosing other areas of your life that you're growing in because you're, you know, maybe not as good as person B at other things, if you will. So with that, all those things that go into that, the social media and the world we live in and your friends or your family or your partner and the relationships that you have, I think all of those impact how comfortable you are. And as that evolves over time, and I think I'm a good example. Like when I was young, even if it were, to, you know, if I were born at the same time you were born and ex- had the same, you know, social um, experiences from the standpoint of, hey, it's much more socially acceptable, if you will, to have these conversations today than when I was born. Even if I were born the same time as you, my personality is one where I'm not, I'm kind of the opposite of your mom's, where I'm not going to walk into the room and, and share all my feelings and, and here's what, how I'm feeling, et cetera, et cetera. But without a doubt, over time, that has changed. You know, it's still at my core, you know, I, I have a different personality than your mom, but I would say I'm more comfortable sharing my feelings and emotions today than I was when I was your age or, you know, 10 years old or whatever the case was. But so it's definitely an evolution. And I don't know if that answers your question or if I got to the heart of it, but or if I'm just be- kind of meandering there. <laughs> no, it does because like, I think, I think sometimes uh, it can be a little frustrating when you're, when you're like looking for advice and, and the, the person giving it 
maybe their experiences or their life or what they're saying doesn't really fit you when you're listening, right? When you're really looking for something Mm -hmm. or you're trying to reach out just for someone to like get you, like get you from a, like I see you standpoint, right? So I think Mm -hmm. that what you just shared is key because if you're listening right now and like you're frustrated or you're really sad or you're feeling hopeless that, well, that's cool that you have your safe space, right? And that's really what I want, but I don't feel like I have that right now. It, it can be really hard and frustrating to, to listen to someone say that and say, just give it time. But like you're saying, dad, like it can evolve and uh, the people in your life change and your current situation can change and just finding spots uh, that you can be yourself. And whether mm-hmm. it's one person, whether it's a person online, whether it's, you know, a community, however you get that community just finding that one person or one piece that you can really be yourself. And cause then you can start practicing. Uh, and I see this uh, with kids that I teach at school all the time, just finding someone or something that you can be yourself authentically and be vulnerable and take mm-hmm. risks in a conversation or a group. It really helps you practice that it, because if, like you said, I we're different personality types. I'm more like mom from this natural standpoint of, you know, the, I throw my emotions out like that's mm-hmm. just I like to do that. That's makes me more comfortable, I guess. But if we're so it's nice that we're we're different people, me and you and I, and it can still we can still get to a place where we both feel in a safe space, but we have different personalities. And we're both mm-hmm. in the same space in our family group and the way that we process and that we apologize and that we lead emotionally is very different, but it's mm-hmm. it all adds to the one space. So one thing I was thinking about is, uh, you know, you have a perspective that I don't, and that's being a parent. And so you talked a little bit about it earlier, but I just wanted to get like a, a, a detailed uh, version of it. I'm thinking you mentioned with parenting, like you, you raise this kid up, there's no book, you, you get a kid from like, you go from home from the hospital, you might be like, okay, now what, right? There's no, there's no real handbook. You can read any book, but you have to do it yourself with or without a partner. In this case for you, it was with mom. But I'm wondering how your uh, advice from parenting, but also, you know, I talked about coworkers, friends, any relationship where you have maybe have expectations or even sometimes judgments of that pe- of that person because the choices or things that they're doing with their own life. How do you balance uh wanting the best for someone and really supporting them. But like you said, sometimes it goes against, uh, I forget exactly how you worded it, but it was nice. You said like what you believe or what you think someone should do, they do the, they do not the opposite or they do something different in like Mm -hmm. direct uh, opposition of what you think they should have done. How do you balance uh, the support, but also not really getting in there and judging someone, but letting them know that you're there, whether that's parenting or friendship coworker yeah that's a that's a tough question but i think it starts with a couple of things i think it starts with having the right intentions and hey here's what the outcome that i'm trying to influence and is that something that you feel good about in terms of hey do you have the right intention are you doing it for selfish reasons or are you doing it with what we would call an outward mindset that says i'm actually thinking of the other person and that's why I want to have this conversation or that's why I want to talk to that person or impact their decision-making or their life because I care about them as opposed to, hey, it's something they're not behaving or choosing the things I want them to choose because I've got my own agenda. So if you start with that 
mindset of I'm truly doing this for the right, what I would call the right reasons. And then I think the second piece that kind of starts with is you talked about, you taught me about love language, right? And how we each have our own love language. I think that concept applies in so many different um, contexts in our lives, really kind of just about every context almost really, right? And it certainly applies um, with your kids, you know, whether, for example, if you're, when it comes to disciplining, you know, between you and Jenna, one, one approach doesn't fit all, right? And I think that same, you know, sometimes you can be softer or with use softer words and get your point across perfectly and accomplish the mission that you're after that from a discipline standpoint with one child. But then the next child, if you use that same approach, they're going to think you're 100% joking and not being serious and blow you off. And you have to take a little bit stronger approach with them. And that is the same concept or same concept to me as the love language. So I think if you apply that to the conversation about um, impacting another person's life, and if you start with the, the doing it for the right reason, and then when you think about, okay, how can I accomplish what I'm trying to do and helping this person? What's the love language that I need to use or what approach do I need to use? What's going to be the effective approach to help them out? So I think if you start with those two things and then just build from there and decide, okay, now what are the tactics? How am I going to do this? What's the best way to do this? Certainly not one size fits all. And I think it's different for whoever the, the people are in the conversation, meaning you as the person trying to reach out as well as the receiver, the person you're trying to help, what works best in that situation, given those things. Does that answer that question? Yeah, I really, I'm hearing like, it starts with intention and then and then like an approach that you want to take. You have to decide that because I, and I was thinking while you're talking to Ed, like the approach that I would take with one friend about how I would want mm-hmm. to talk about something with another friend would be totally different. And mm-hmm. I think even as like a teacher, like there's certain kid, like a kid, you know, I've told you in mom stories all the time, like you talk to the way that you go about a situation with one kid. And, and even how they learn is totally different about, you know, mm-hmm. different kids. So I think it's the same with emotions and even like how I talk to different people about mental health, right? Like how I ask someone if they're okay or how they're really doing, you know, that conversation, like, how are you good? It's over. It's, it's more, we're trying to get to where it's like, you know, how are you really doing? But I don't really ask people in my life that question. Cause I don't, I just ask them in different ways. So I think mm-hmm. that like, I think you're spot on with like, it's about approach, but it's also really important to communicate your intentions. Mm-hmm. And I remember like growing up, like uh, sometimes when I would have, you know, that typical kid attitude towards your mom, it was sometimes because I was not that I was right or wrong, but I was feeling defensive that I had to be defensive because I didn't know if your intentions were just to try to control me because I was that, you know, mm-hmm. I was a kid and it was all about having my own independence or whatever. But I think it's the same as adults, you know, how many times do we just, uh, I, one of my friends just told me the other day, like they were feeling like they had a, they were having a problem with someone, but then they came around like a couple hours later and they talked about it and it was just nothing. It was just miscommunication. So I think like communicating your intentions from the start and however that looks for your relationship, because your coworker, you might talk differently, how you state your intentions to a coworker, most likely are going to be different than like your partner or your kid or someone Mm -hmm. that you're really, really close to just because of the nature of the relationship. 
and I don't ever see a downside to stating your intentions, you know, especially if you're doing it from a place of love or support. So I think that's really important to wrap it up. I think a really important question that I wanted to make sure to talk about was, you know, I don't, for myself, I've talked about this on the podcast a million times for me personally, mental health was never, you know, we've talked a lot about things that I, we, I was doing practices, right. I was able to go to my parents and uh, my sister about how I was feeling my entire life, but I didn't know that was mental health. I never had a word on it. And with, I think, you know, with Simone Biles and, and mental health being on such a national platform now and gaining more traction and people are understanding it. And what does mental health even mean? I was wondering, uh, like, when did you notice, like, when did you start to put a, a, a title, a term on it, like mental health? Uh, when did you notice like that you're recognizing it or prioritizing your own? Because I know, like I said, for me, it wasn't until I started the podcast, I didn't even know what self-care was until 2018. And I was like, I was 21 years old, right? I had been doing some things when I was growing up as a kid that were technically self-care, but I, for me personally, I got a lot of help from other people. Like I never really knew how to take care of myself. Um, definitely not emotionally. Right. I always just kind of was like, eh, as long as the people I care about are okay. And they show me love back that self-care. Right. But I, I had that really confused and it's, I'm 24 and I'm still trying to figure out self-care. Like I, there's days where, you know, there's moments like us, like all of us that I don't feel like I have it totally in control or mastered yet. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, when did you start realizing what mental health meant to you? You don't have to do specifics, but I'm wondering if, did that take a long time for you? Did you notice it younger or like, where were you at as far as your mental health? Yeah. So that's a good question. And this is definitely one that feels like each person has their own answer and that may be just unique to them. And part of it is your personality. Part of it is your life's experiences. Part of it is how you're feeling at any given moment and how you felt, you know, along the way in your life. So for me, really, I became aware of mental health, you know, much probably sooner than maybe I expected. And that is when my brother Todd lost his life to suicide. And that pretty much forced that issue in my life, right? As you mourn that loss, and then the natural questions of, okay, why did this happen? And you try to think of all the things, all right, what led up to that? What could have been done differently? Is there any way that this could have been prevented? Were the things that we missed along the way, et cetera? But it, you know, that was more than we're talking now 30 years ago, right? That that happened. So if you think about it from the time or from the perspective of society and where we were back in the early 1990, you know, just kind of as this has evolved as a society, you know, we've gotten so much better at it and it's become so much more accepted to have these conversations. I would even argue, you know, we're moving towards not just accepted to have the conversations or, or accepted to, for you to consider your mental health, like your physical health, almost we're getting closer. I think we're moving towards expected, right? You wouldn't walk around with, you wouldn't break your arm and never go see a doctor, people would think, what are you doing? And I think we're moving towards that. We're certainly getting closer. It feels like every day moving towards getting that way with mental health. And, you know, that stigma that was there a long time ago, and in some cases is still there, depending on the person and the family and the context and 
the society, et cetera, where you, where you are, but it's definitely getting better. So, and I celebrate that. I think that's awesome because I truly believe that it is as important, if not more important, really, you know, in your mental health than your physical health. And it's all parts of the whole thing. So as open as we can be about it, at least setting the stage to say, look, this is a critical topic for all of us as we live and go through our lives, period. And it's kind of like physical health from the standpoint in my mind that to the extent that you're comfortable talking about it, right, then that door should always be open and no one should look at you sideways if you're talking about your mental health. Now, I'll say a couple other things. One is that I think in from a workforce perspective that at least my experience has been and, and what I'm seeing as well, both where I work and other places, it's absolutely moving in that direction of not just acceptance, but conversations that are, that are happening. And where we've got, you know, there's a, there's a little things and then there's bigger things as far as, you know, the, the healthcare that's available for, you know, as part of the, your insurance, as well as uh, the promotion of companies of saying, Hey, this is important. And we want you to, to, um, be healthy mentally. And here are the resources we have. Here's what we're promoting, et cetera. So that, that's a big piece of it. But um, so I became aware of it a long time ago and then have just tried to, you know, it's taken a long time. It's not like, hey, after that happened, I immediately was like, yeah, I'm totally plugged into my mental health. And I think I feel like I'm on top of this. It, it's been an evolution and it's been a few things. You know, your mom fortunately had suggested that, hey, you know, have you ever thought about going to counseling? And I really had not. And she encouraged it. And that was still at a time that wasn't like you really talked about that a whole lot. Wouldn't say it was taboo, but it wasn't like people were sitting around talking about it. And so with that support and that encouragement, that opened the door and I did go see a therapist and she was wonderful. And I went and it was kind of like one of those things, almost like the broken arm concept. I went, felt like I had a broken arm. I had, you know, a handful of, of sessions with her and she was really good and helped me out and gave me some tools. And um, I'd left and said, okay, I feel like my broken arm is better. But, you know, if that were to happen today, if I, like I said, were born the same day you were, I would say, gee, you know what? That wasn't a broken arm. Yeah, you may have had kind of the broken arm symptoms at the time and some things you really needed that were acute that you needed to deal with. But the reality is it's also like your annual checkup that you do physically. You know, let's go talk to another therapist or whatever it is for you that helps you recognize on the daily and on just, you know, as you live your life, the importance of mental health. I think like the, when you said that, I think it's really important for people to maybe not understand, but just to hear is like, uh, it's not about pushing mental health on anyone, right? It's, you said, uh, just kind of leaving the door open is an analogy. I like, we're not pushing someone to walk into the mental health conversation, just knowing that the door is open if you ever need to, and like encouraging it. And I think that's important because sometimes I think it can feel overwhelming to people uh, that maybe it's not their natural um, instinct to just open up and talk about how they're feeling. It's a practice. It evolves. Uh, some people 
are forced into to really thinking about mental health because of the way that life goes and things that happen. Some people kind of choose on their own because they feel like it's time. And uh, I think that what we talked about today, dad, is like is some really important things as far as just talking about it, making sure that you know that you're not weird, you're not alone as far as how you feel. Uh, we all feel emotions differently. And mm-hmm. uh, don't ever be afraid to, to seek out help because sometimes I, I know that sometimes mental health feels individual. Like there are times for me specifically, I know self-care has been something that I'm really trying to work on on my own because no one else can help me with that. They can show me tools and I've learned some tools from other people, but um, just realizing that just because you have to do some things on your own doesn't mean that you have to go silent and you have to work on everything on your own. You know, it's always okay to ask for help. And uh, I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed this. I love you so much. And uh, I'm just, this means a lot because I think it will help not only, like I said, from a, from a father, son or a parent child relationship, but just relationships where you are vulnerable and you have to open up and uh mm-hmm. and it, it can happen for anyone's relationships i think it's it's just a great thing and i think that uh i think this will help a lot so thanks buddy boy well, i appreciate you having me on and asking me these questions like i said it's an honor to that you asked me and you know how much i love you so um you you said something there toward towards the end that made me reminded me of a couple of taglines that I really liked that somebody else had said that said, Hey, uh, self-love is never selfish. Self-care is never selfish. And also said, if you can't give yourself 10 minutes to practice self-love, how do you expect to show up for those around you? And I'm like, wow, that's, <laughs> that, you know, you're spot on with that. <laughs> and you can show up for those around you, but you know, show up as the best version of yourself and practice self-love and self-care and so. you can't uh and you can't pour from an empty cup so oh that's another good one <laughs> i like that so well anyway uh thanks buddy and uh i don't know thank you <laughs> all right well again thank you so much for having me on here matthew i appreciate it i really enjoyed the, the conversation and uh getting to share my my feelings and my <laughs> thoughts on hey what do you think about this well let me tell you how i think about this feels good huh so. It does. All right. I love you, buddy. All right. Love you too.